Hello and welcome to another episode of The Grey NATO. It's a loose discussion of travel, adventure, diving, driving gear, and most certainly watches. This is episode 267, and it's proudly brought to you by the always-growing TGN supporter crew. We thank you all so much for your continued support, and if you'd like to support the show, please visit thegreynato.com for more details. My name is James Stacy, and I am joined, as ever, by my friend and co-host Jason Heaton. Jason, how are we doing today? I'm doing pretty well, holding my own here in the, in the midst of, uh, well, it's actually turned out to be a proper winter here today after, <laughs> I think last time we were talking about how warm it's been. And you got some snow? Yeah, it's actually snowing out my window, which is quite pretty, but you know, I feel like the, uh, our, my, our brief, uh, sort of Cinderella long fall is now over and I think we're in for, in for some proper winter here, <laughs> but, uh. I would think so. Yeah, I would think so. I'm I'm fresh back off vacation. This is my first day back, so I'm feeling a little rusty, if I'm honest. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been off for a couple of weeks. had had a nice time being off, and uh, I de- genuinely appreciate you know the TGN audience being okay with you know us taking that time. Uh, we had last week's episode, which I think went pretty well. It was a fun episode and a nice way to kick off the year. But we get to do this one with a guest, and uh, re- we have already recorded that just a few minutes ago. It went really well, so I'm really pumped. Uh, for everyone to uh, have a nice sit down with uh, Blake Bettner and you know his whole uh, new arc with uh, the deep track. But before we get into that, um, how's the last uh, week been for you, man? Yeah, it's been pretty quiet. You know, I've had one of those weird weeks. Gashani um, flew to to Florida last week um, to spend some time with a couple of friends down there, and uh, kind of left me here in bachelor mode. And it's you know it's kind of weird. Like I always feel like okay, this is my opportunity to get some things done and do the sort of stuff that I like to do that, you know, she might not be that keen on. And that always just goes away immediately. And I just end up being terribly unproductive and end up like watching a lot of movies and, <laughs> and just sort of, you know, I don't know. I kind of threw, threw myself into some exercise and just, uh, I, man, I watched a ton of movies over the past few days. Um, it's kind of a fun feeling though, right? It is. To have that it's latitude because like you, you don't want it all the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I watched Saltburn. I watched, uh, the killer. Oh, how was that? Saltburn was great. Um, really kind of creepy and good and well acted. Yeah. And um, I heard it compared to The Secret History, which is probably my favorite fiction book. Also oh, yeah. one of my wife's favorites. Uh, so that's definitely on our list to watch. Yeah, and I remember uh, many years ago watching the series Brideshead Revisited. And then I think they did oh, a movie sure, yeah. of it. Or maybe it was a newer series. But um, kind of reminds me of that. Um, and then what else did I watch? I've watched Oppenheimer finally. So you know, I've just been kind of ticking off all the all the ones I've been wanting to see. So yeah, it's been good. And the golden globes were last night. It seems like Oppenheimer looks like a front runner for the Oscars. If it matters, it, it really doesn't to me these days. Yeah. Right. Um, and I'm sure it doesn't to most people. You just watch movies that, you know, you like you watch movies and you enjoy them or you don't. Yeah. And I, I finished Oppenheimer. I liked it. I would say, I mean like the performances were jaw dropping. Yeah. Yeah. Genuinely like a, just a lot. And, and also it must just be a, like a flex for Nolan to just have characters <laughs> in his movies yeah. that are played by pretty famous people and they don't even have a line. Yeah, right. Like yeah. Jack Quaid is in a good piece of that movie. Dennis Quaid's son, who's like one of the leads for the the show The Boys. Yeah. He unless I missed it, I might have, you know, left to grab a drink or something, but I don't believe he has a single line <laughs> in the film. And he's like a famous person. <laughs> Uh, you know, like I think it's outside of my norm. I really have become a pretty big knucklehead for like '90s thrillers. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's, I think that's kind of like '90s thrillers and weird paramilitary stuff. Yeah, 
Yeah. Like yesterday, what did I? I had a weird two for yesterday. I've been going through pretty much all of Denzel Washington's career <laughs> because I totally miscredited him. Obviously, he's charming and he's talented, and I, in my mind, like his his strength was mostly shown by playing Alonzo in Training Day. Yeah. Yeah, but it's so much more than that. And like Crimson Tide really opened my eyes to like there's there's a he he can do a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I watched one last night called The Siege. Yeah, which huh. is uh, Denzel Washington and Annette Bening. It, it's it's basically you know it's 1998, so this oh, exists yeah. in a world before 9/11, obviously. Yeah, yeah, and it's about a series of terrorist attacks based in terrorism cells in Brooklyn. Huh. And Bruce Willis plays. Um, you know, a general who's basically given martial law over Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it becomes this whole thing where the military is roaming the streets and they're putting people in cages. And, and it, and like, if you look at what the world has become since 1998, you go like, this is weirdly prescient. Yeah, yeah. Something could have gone this way, it just didn't. Yeah. But the movie itself kind of falls apart in the third act, if, if you ask me. Uh, but yeah, I've been, I've been doing a bunch of that. And then I, I finally got around to, to finishing... Um, I saw it the year it came out, the movie Black Hat, which is a, a Michael Mann. Huh. And I'm trying to satiate the fact that I really want to see Ferrari, but I really don't want to go to the movie theater. Yeah. I've talked about how little I hate that or how much I hate that experience yeah. going to movie theaters. Yeah. And I wish we had a good one. Like in LA, they have the Alamo Draft House and everybody's on the same page. But I find like every time I go to the theater, the last time I went was for Dead Reckoning, one of the worst Mission Impossible films. Oh. You can't change my mind. <laughs> And it was just like, I'm listening to people chew. Yeah. People are laughing when something isn't funny. They're on their phones. Like, it's just, a, it's still a better experience in my basement. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> uh, and I really, genuinely, I will break down and see Ferrari in, in the movie theater. I just need to find the theater that's empty, the time of day, mm-hmm. the earliest thing on a Tuesday or something like that and go see it. I'm, I'm really pumped to see it. But I watched Black Hat and it's, it's a messy sort of film, but I did really like it. Huh. You know, it's it's um, Chris Hemsworth plays a uh, an imprisoned coder who they break out to help with this very complicated sort of plot about um, technology and hacking in the Chinese government and in Asia, kind of at a wider scope. It, it it's something else. So if you haven't seen Black Hat, it's it's a it's a bit of a maze. But I do really there's a few things that are happening in it that are done at such a high level. It's very Michael Mann. <laughs> I'll have to check that out. I haven't heard of that one at all. Yeah, and wow. and then with with Saltburn, I'm I'm definitely uh, interested in, in seeing that, and so is Sarah. She's brought it up a couple times, and it looks like um, yeah, looks like a, a you know kind of a standout, a little highlight for the the start of the year for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than that, I mean, you know, I've I've been you know as we talked about last week uh, with a kind of our New Year's episode. It is dry January for apparently millions of people uh, observe this now, which is quite an interesting trend, Mm. Um, you know, not drinking for the month. I know you are as well. And I am, you know, every time I do this or something like this, go an extended period without drinking much, I, I just find that there's so many benefits to it that I'm like, I really need to like think hard about like, you know, re reconfiguring kind of my, my sense of moderation going forward because I'm sleeping better. I don't have like weird joint pain anymore. Like exercise is more fulfilling. Like it's it it really does make a difference. And I'm not here to preach. I mean, look, I'll come February. I'm sure I'll be back to to kind of enjoying uh, my whiskey. But uh, yeah, so far it's going really well, and I don't I don't really feel the urge to like have a drink uh, at all these days. So yeah, so far so good. 
How's it going for you? Uh, you know, it's I would say it's more of a mixed bag. I'm I'm still in the phase. I don't mind not doing it, and after eight days, I don't even think about it that much. Mm-hmm. But when I do think about it, I have to find like a replacement. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I'll be I'll be. We have a, a drinks channel on TGN, and somebody like last night, someone posted that the only dry January for me is a dry martini, <laughs> and that martini, I got to tell you, made my mouth water. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it's been it's been fine, and it's also been pretty interesting to like see the numbers from the aura ring also tied with the fact that I'm back to essentially doing some sort of exercise six days a week yeah, and have like since early about a month from now mm-hmm. and my heart rate's way down. Like my resting heart rate is now back in like overnight is, you know, into the, the high forties, low fifties. It's mm-hmm. probably where it should be. Yeah. And you know, even things like my heart rate variability has almost tripled like in eight or nine days. Yeah. Uh, so you can definitely tell like the, the the cost of of that lifestyle, especially if like uh, like I think I was in a similar mode to you, maybe even more so, especially when the winter months come in. Like I would drink every day. Yeah, yeah. It was just an it, it was an easy thing to kind of do, and and if you do that enough, you don't really start to consider like what does it feel like when I don't. Right. And then it takes it. It's not one or two days. It probably took seven or eight days. Like it's probably today that I'm actually feeling like mm-hmm. actually kind of disconnected from it. So yeah, I agree. Like it like. Probably, like I said on a previous episode, the solution is just I don't I wouldn't have anything at home. Right. So if, right. I, if, if I want to drink, I have to go out. I have to be social. It has to be part of something else. It can't just be like a habit. Yeah. 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 I it can't be, be like when strategy. I switch from I'm done drinking coffee, so we'll move on to whiskey. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going on vacation next week, and I think that'll be kind of a weird experience. Right. To do vacationing without any sort of alcohol. So we'll see. I mean, if I if I don't observe the whole month i'll be honest and talk about it on the show for sure um but yeah that's kind of where i am with it i think it's i think it's been good and i i do kind of like it like i i think it makes sense as a sort of reestablishing of some controls if you will mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um you know resetting the playing field or whatever uh and uh, definitely sleep is better workouts are a lot easier and uh, and that sort of thing um there was someone on slack who wrote me about dry january and he sent me a dm or maybe it was instagram i can't remember but he said you know, his strategy is, or one thing that he suggested was maybe going a, a week, dedicating a week, a month, every month to not drinking. And by the end of the year, that's, you know, what, uh, 12 weeks of the year that you have abstained. And then that's sure. uh, what, three, essentially like three months off, um, which is, yep. it's kind of a better strategy. I'm, I'm a little dubious about like, like very strict sort of guidelines instead of just sort of paying more attention. But then again, these, these sort of strict months and things are, are to kind of more like a reboot or a reset so I'm, I'm quite welcoming it but yeah so i i uh, other than that um i've i've kind of done more gotten more into the like i talked about on the previous episode the woodworking sort of thing so i was going to build a workbench with my last week of vacation but then I, I started looking around i spoke to my brother who works professionally in in this space and I think what I needed more than say an out, you know, something to to catch pieces of wood from a table saw, which I don't own, or or that sort of thing, is more of like just an organizational footing for my garage. Oh yeah. So I ended up going store bought uh, Canadian Tire, which is a retailer, obviously here in Canada. <laughs> um, had a nice sale on an all metal with a big butcher block top, seventy two inch you know, build it yourself rolling workbench. Yeah. So I bought that and put it together in a couple hours. Uh, only had like one or two small mental breakdowns when like things didn't <laughs> line up. And then I realized I was reading the 
instructions wrong. It was a little bit harder than Lego, but not much. Um, yeah. And now I have it, and it's like it's transformed the garage. Suddenly, all my stuff has a little home. Yeah. And it has a bunch of drawers and has a huge amount of storage inside. It has a nice workbench on top. And once I had that built, the next day I went out and grabbed some wood, and I, I did a project that I've wanted to do for a while, which was design. I can't even say design. I just built a very simple box for the back of the Jeep. Yeah. So for a long time, I've had this um, DeWalt tote. It's a plastic bin with a li- with a handle, basically, mm-hmm. um, that carries you know my air compressor and my my lithium jumper and a tow hitch and some some ratchet straps and all the stuff you would keep in the back of the car, OBD two scanner and road flares and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it it was just like it, it was never the right shape. You know, like where you have the wrong, it's the wrong Tetris piece for almost anything I put in the back of the Jeep. Yeah. And so instead of having something kind of cube-esque in its shape, I, this is a lower, longer, thinner sort of box that goes right against the, the seat Yeah. Uh, back. And then I mounted a little clip on it to hold my snow scraper because there's, mm-hmm. that's another thing where like uh, the snow scraper that I have, which was given to me by my last landlord who used mine and it broke <laughs> and I couldn't have cared less, but he was, a ni- he is a very nice guy and he bought me another one, but it's like, um, it's like if somebody 3d scanned the inside of a Jeep yeah. and then t- had a, a supercomputer create something that didn't fit anywhere. <laughs> There's no good place for it. There's nowhere to tuck it away. There's nowhere to tie it up. Yeah. It's always in the way. It's always a centimeter too long for where I want to put it or so I finally, I mounted it's basically the length of this box and I mounted it into the box, and I'm pretty happy with it. It looks good. I think it's going to work uh, really well, and it comes in and out easily enough uh, without too much stress. So it's nice to be able to see these problems and like be able to just go, oh, I can just make something very easy. Yeah. And I had a good time doing it. It was very simple. I made it out of pine, and I did pocket holes for all but a few of the screws, so you can't see see any screws, and then just kind of sanded it down and threw it in the back of the Jeep. So we'll see how it holds up. Yeah. Nice. But as a V1, I'm pretty happy with it. And it, it, this is a, a, f- a fun little new hobby to explore. Yeah. Oh, very And cool. I've been getting some really good advice on uh, on the Slack as well. As always, I mean, that's such a such a resource for pretty much anything. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, it really is great. But yeah, that's everything that I've been up to uh, kind of since we recorded the last episode. I've got some travel coming up, uh, a little bit of a vacation uh, with some family. And then after that, I'll be in Florida for a little while. Uh, for some watch news and announcements and then I'll be in New York for like hours I think we're not I don't have the total itinerary yet one evening is probably the maximum to do some stuff with the Hoodinky team and for a certain brand to do their uh, forthcoming like watches and wonders announcements I'd put they probably wouldn't appreciate if I said what brand but you'll hear about those watches as soon as we're allowed to talk about them I'm sure yeah, that's kind of how the rest of my January is looking. It's it's off to a slow start, which I like, but it's going to ramp up yeah. uh, pretty quickly in the next uh, 10 days or so. Well, it's not a bad month to be kind of busy. Um, it is kind of a long, dark month uh, traditionally this time of year. So it's it's nice to have something to get you out of the house, flying around, doing some interesting stuff. So that'll be great. Yeah, I agree. Well, what do you say? You want to jump right into uh, this recording with Blake? Yeah, let's do it. It was a, It was a fun chat. Yeah, we had a great chat with Blake, and we did uh, wrist check and final notes with Blake, so you get him for the rest of the episode. Uh, I kicked this one off with an intro because I know Blake really well, so why don't we just get to the tape and keep it easy?
Okay, today we are joined by an extra special guest who has been on the podcast before, but is returning today in a brand new context. You'll recognize him and his likely uh, absolutely correct pronunciation of one of our shared favorite watches from the likes of our live recordings from Wind Up Chicago, but that's far from all of it. He's a Hodinkee alum, the former managing editor of Worn and Wound, and the founder of a brand new project called The Deep Track. It's Blake Bettner. Welcome back to the show, Blake. How are you? I'm excellent, James. Super excited to be here. Appreciate you and Jason. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's a, it's a treat to have you on. It was, uh, you know, late last year we were chatting about uh, the deep track and what your plans were, and we thought, well, hey, Jason and I are always a little short on show ideas uh, in January. This is when we, we start to really kind of get philosophical or pull pull at a few buddies to come on the show, so it was kind of perfect timing to have you on. Um, I, I guess probably the natural spot to start, because we didn't do a wrist check to open the show, which we normally do, it felt weird to do it without you. Why, why don't we jump into a wrist check and then and then we can learn all about the deep track and and you know chat about probably about a thousand other things. Uh, what have you got on wrist this morning? I am wearing a Zen U fifty uh, oh, watch yeah. on. Uh, I think it's called a, a gray NATO uh, strap uh, on there uh, <laughs> fittingly, uh, which was unplanned. This just watch looks great on pretty much anything that you throw it on, uh, particularly a gray NATO. So, and is that the? Uh, do you have the standard version? Oh, it is the standard. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, it's the uh, standard version. Huge fan. I actually started. I had both the the SDR and and this one, um, but I, I sold the SDR to my brother who wears it every single day, and he does like. Okay. Uh, construction type stuff down in in florida and managed it so it is like grimy as heck every time i see him i have to i, I take this the strap off and all that and like clean it off for him so it gets properly used but i honestly i tell you when i do it you know a, a quick cleanup and it looks like brand new these things are no joke whatever uh submarine steel that they use for this it's pretty legit <laughs> yeah they do they do good work that tegument the hardening stuff is pretty solid for sure well that's a great pick and obviously jason i appreciate the nato it's always good to be on brand uh jason how about you what have what have you got on today uh well guess i have my uh, my fxd um you know hey. it's still on the same cincy uh, strap company uh, gray nato as, as i had last week and yeah this watch is tough to take off blake i'm actually surprised you're not wearing yours i thought i thought it would be a, a me too a, yeah a pelagos trio here today but uh Apparently you've uh, you've you've taken it off your wrist for a little while, Blake. Yeah, I normally do. That's normally a safe bet uh, <laughs> that, that I would have one of those on. Uh, yeah, but it's nice to switch it up from time to time. Yeah, yeah. And and James, what are you wearing? Oh yeah, I mean, I I also was a little bit concerned that it would be three Pelagoses. I'm gonna try and uh, I'm gonna attempt to go with the uh, Bettner pronunciation uh, <laughs> as it's known in the the horological lexicon for the whole of the episode. We'll see if I slip back into my my terrible ways. But uh, I, out of um out of connection to our our fine guest and a good friend, I actually wore uh, the Citizen uh, the BNO two two seven twenty five X. It's the Loom Beast, the big square. Oh yeah. Loom I, dial. I think Blake, you coined uh, that term, you didn't you? That, that that nickname. Well, it was it was it was a wind up <laughs> in Chicago a couple of years ago, a few years ago, or, or whatever. I had one on, and I was like, I don't know what to call this thing, you know. And uh, so we each came up with a couple names. I think you had Blue Brutus because the one I have has that blue oh, camo right. dial. Yeah, it's it's totally gnarly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I love that watch. Yeah. And it wears better than like it has any right doing. I swear. <laughs> so much better than you'd assume. I mean, it's one. It's super titanium. Uh, I mean, actually, as I load up the website, and this obviously could, it depends on how quickly you also load up the website. It's currently on sale, which is nice. Wow. Uh, but yeah, the thing is absolutely massive. It's, they say it's 46 millimeters wide. Uh, it's, it's got to be every millimeter of that, but it wears a kind of not unlike the Aqualand. It just wears really well because it's so square. Yeah. Uh, you can get away with quite a large watch. This is probably how like some of the bigger, 
like Bell and Ross stuff wears? Because you look at it on paper and you go, there's no way that's not going to look like I'm attempting to wear an iPhone on my wrist or whatever, like a big rectangle. And you put it on and you're like, oh, wait, this kind of makes sense. And then you think like, oh, if this was if they originally sized this to go on top of a sleeve, mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense. It, like it would actually be kind of perfect even on a normal wrist. But yeah, I figured I'd throw on um, the Loom Brute or the, the Loom Beast or whatever <laughs> we've decided its nickname is. But uh, it's in the show notes if you want to see it as our links to the U50. And of course, the uh, the FXD is a, a stalwart in our show notes these days. <laughs> but uh, I, I guess the next place to go, Blake, is I, I don't know, I don't remember if in the couple of episodes we've done live from Chicago, we actually talked about how we first met. Um, I think it's always kind of fun when we have on like pals, industry folk, that sort of thing, like to, to go back, like obviously the show started because Jason and I met through Mike Pearson, who was at Braymont at the time and, and is now actually with Christopher Ward uh, starting this year. And uh, it's kind of fun to go down memory lane. I, I believe, and I'd love for you to correct me, I believe that you and I first kind of touched base uh, face-to-face uh, at an Armin Strom F1 trip in Austin in what yeah. must be 20. 2015? 2014? I think it was even earlier than that. Yeah, it might have been. Uh, James, I think... I'm getting younger, so it's hard for me to remember. It might have even been like 12 or 13. Uh, Yeah, it might have been 13. 13 might have been right. This was uh, Marusha. uh, They Mm -hmm. sponsored uh, the the Marusha team. And this was, I think, a year or two after they had started the the race there at Circuit of yeah. the Americas. I think it was yeah, think it was, it was pretty, only like its first or second year, and uh, and one of the drivers, of course, was the late Jules Bianchi uh, uh, for for Marussia. I still have a hat signed by by oh, both cool. those wow. both of those drivers. Uh, I was going through my pictures the other day uh, that I that I got there just because the cars look so different uh, mm-hmm. from from then to to now. Um, Ten years, yeah. And then and I and I remember like distinctly thinking about chatting with you while I was <laughs> while I was there and uh and how you and I kind of just hit it off like naturally right off the right off the right off the bat talking about cars and yeah, cars and watches. <laughs> we were both we had been loaned, you know, it was one of those trips where you get there and we were staying it was it was a, a high low trip is how I would describe it because we were staying at a red roof inn. <laughs> I don't think Austin had really understood how many people would come to the Formula One yet. And this is this is even F one before Drive to Survive, so this is old audience F one or you know pre Netflix F one and um, and it, we were staying at a Red Roof Inn, which is fine, except that my if I remember correctly, my shower was not connected to the wall in any way, like the the <laughs> surround that you stood in. <laughs> yeah. was essentially just hanging on the pipe that was the shower head <laughs> and yeah, the whole room was... smelled like they just painted it so it was all fine everything was fine those two memories stand out but i remember we went for a genuinely on sixth street we went for a genuinely incredible meal i don't remember what the place was called i want to say the restaurant was bird themed or had like a bird name yeah and yeah, I, I do, do remember that it was a cloud and cloud Griesler, I think, um, who's still around and doing his thing. And shout out to Armin Strom. They're still doing awesome uh, the things these days, of course. Uh, yeah, so. I mean, that the, the smaller version of the watch they announced they showed earlier this year and then they showed a few few more versions of the few May dial at um, I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, the exact names escaping me, but they showed it at uh, Dubai as well. Really awesome in 38 millimeters, super fun watch. And obviously we had the the collective, uh, you know, special presentation all about the Armstrong they made uh, in, in partnership with the collective. It's a really fascinating brand. But the, the one thing that sticks out in my memory was we went to order drinks from the bar 
and you or I'd never heard. I didn't. You had to fully explain to me what a Sazerac was. It was entirely <laughs> outside of my understanding of any drinks at all. <laughs> yeah, and I remember being. Yeah, what, I, what I went through a kick order? back then. <laughs> Look, we we all go through these like phases, oh, yeah, right? Of course. And uh, and that that was a that was that was my you know I, I was in that period of time like I sure. get a Sazerac sure. and especially if I'm in different areas or kind of like foreign places not foreign but uh, you know like out of my usual grind uh, you know you had to try it so. Uh, did you try one? Did you have one? Do you remember? I don't remember if I had one. I don't, I don't typically, my guess is if I, if I had to, you know, retcon history, I didn't simply because I have such a general like distaste for mixed drinks, uh, at a, at a high level. Okay. Um, but I, I think I, if I remember correctly, I probably had a sip of yours and it was probably great. But yeah, I think I think that was kind of our 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 genesis as, as buddies. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, think, I feel like, yeah, we were pretty fast friends. Um, uh, there down in down in Texas, so uh, that, that's a that's a great memory. We'll have to confirm the year, though. I can I'll have to I'll pull yeah, up those photos. I, and I don't know if it would still be dates. in my email, maybe, because that's I was you know I wasn't with um, Hodinki at the time. That would have been in the blog to watch years. So yeah, um, I probably don't even or, have that. Was email it was it even a, bro- a blog to to read back then? Uh, <laughs> it might have been just <laughs> after right. the change. But yeah, for the, for those of you who have who don't remember, say. What would that be pre twenty twelve? Around twenty twelve, a blog to watch started as a blog to read and became a blog to watch. Oh, here, James, it was it it was November of twenty thirteen. Is yeah, when it okay. was. There you go. So. Thirteen felt right. So almost eleven years. Definitely a full ten. Yeah. Yeah. How bit. about uh, how about you and Jason? Do you guys remember where where you first crossed paths? Was it also like on a press trip or at a Basel World, something like that early Hodinkee days? We were the first two, I think, probably freelancers with Hodinkee back in, we probably met in 09 or 2010, Blake, I think. Um, and I remember we were, Ben Clymer, of course, uh, invited us to, to come to New York, which was kind of a big deal. I remember, I don't remember where you were living at the time, St. Louis, maybe. Um, and and yeah. we flew to New York and he put us up in a hotel and he had like this little brief itinerary of stuff we were going to do. And, and Hodinkee didn't have an office back then. I think I remember, <laughs> do you remember that video we filmed on the roof of Ben's apartment building that never saw the light of day? Yes, it's probably, that's probably a good thing. I wonder if oh, it still I'd exists I'd love to see though. that. I wonder if Ben <laughs> has that hidden away somewhere. somewhere. Sure. Yeah, he had a studio apartment and we were filming on the roof of his building and it was scorching hot that day, I remember. But uh, we went to a steak place yeah. with John Reardon and you and me and Ben and... Yep. Yeah, good times. That was that was way back. Yeah, I, I remember feeling kind of totally out of my depth uh, <laughs> there. I was like, oh, these are like real watch guys, and I'm in New York. I think I was living in San Francisco oh, at this okay. time, right. uh, Jason. So I came in, it came in, and because I wasn't I wasn't married yet, it was it was just like this, like working my first like kind of like full <laughs> legit job yeah. out of out of school, yeah. and uh, uh, and then yeah, Ben got on my radar somehow. But yeah, and and, and I didn't know like you or or Eric Wynn was another one of those those early guys. And it was just kind of like happenstance that we were all from Wisconsin. That's true. That we yeah, figured right. out like after the fact. So, you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a running thing. And now it's like uh, we're all over the place. Eric, uh, Mark Koslerich. The Wisconsin contingent is powerful. Yeah. 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 Was, your, was your genuine start, I'd, lo- I'd like to do a little bit more history. Like, was your genuine start in the watch game as far as a producer with, with Hodinkee? 
with early, very early days Houdinki? Um, it was actually with, um, uh, I don't know if you remember this brand, uh, Zetum, X-E-T-U-M. Oh, it was sure. like this, yeah, yeah. this like, like lugless watch. Like the automotive watch. lugless watches, carbon yeah, fiber dials, stuff like that. He, yeah, there was a carbon fiber dial. He was based in San Francisco. His name was Jeff Quo. Hmm. Um, and uh, and he and I got to know each other through uh, some some work that our companies were doing together. And I'd always like really been into watches. So I started like helping with his facebook stuff and social stuff this was a very different world back then yep. you know uh so uh and then he's the one that actually knew ben and put us in it put the two of us in touch and he's like oh i know this guy who's got this thing that he's starting and uh you know maybe you could write write for him as <laughs> as well so uh you know i'd never really like written or anything you know i went to school mm-hmm. for for design uh multimedia design um and uh, so, so you know, creative stuff, but not like, uh, but not full on like writing, you know. Um, so I, I tried my hand at that uh, for Ben, and apparently it was good enough to start helping him out every now and then. Uh, I think the very first thing I ever wrote about was a Panerai, an old Panerai that was like me too. Up that was auction. my first. <laughs> so I'm sure it was over the top and overdone and all these kind of things. So Ben kind of helped rein in my writing a little sure, bit sure, and, sure, and sure. how I, I thought about it, which was all super helpful. Um, and then that was kind of like what kicked me off. And then, I mean, it was right out of the gates that, that you know, we were going to, to Basel and you send me over to... What what year would this have been? Like 2009? Uh, I think it was 2010, like early 2010. So Panerai was still huge. Yeah. I think like April of, of 2010, if, if I'm not mistaken, was the first was the first article that I had published. Um, and then... Um, and then, yeah, the like visiting manufacturers and all this kind of stuff and really just kind of like learning on the fly uh, as we were going. And back then, you know, it was weird. I mean, you'd be at Basel and, you know, it was uh, you're kind of like not cast offs or anything like that, but it, it certainly lacked the prestige of a lot yeah, of the other yeah. second class. Yeah. You know, yeah. Legacy <laughs> media. And I remember well, like watching the, Ben go in. Not only was it online, you were English only. Yeah. Right. It wasn't <laughs> yes. it wasn't something where you were like producing something in Switzerland that was being translated. Also, just an entirely different world. Yeah. Only, a, you know, a little over a decade ago, the Internet, yeah. the Internet really hadn't been accepted at all. I mean, Ben talks about this, you know, when he talks about early days of Hodinki, which you guys would have been around for just being like, you guys do what? <laughs> You write on the internet. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I remember being like a really sure. big deal seeing him go into like a Rolex meeting. And being oh, like, yeah. Whoa, that's, you know, that's that's really cool. And, you know, kind of watching. And then, of course, me being like, I always felt like this gigantic guy that was obviously from a place like Wisconsin, <laughs> you know, not being in like uh, some really fancy suit. And, you know, I always felt like a little bit of, of a fish out of water. <laughs> those first few years but um sure. you know you eventually just kind of embrace like who you are and uh enroll with it you know yeah I, I still feel almost identical to that like i know where i'm going now when i'm in geneva like if somebody's like oh it's near this i go oh i know where that is but that's as far as i've come in a decade <laughs> yeah yeah and blake you've had you've had quite a, a kind of a meandering path i mean it's been fun to kind of we cross paths, then we kind of drift apart then we cross paths again and and i remember for a while you were with uh, stock x um, and that took you to yep. Detroit, I think, right? You moved there and then. Yeah, it's, it's been a, it's, it's been a ride for sure. And I, I look back and I think, you know, my, my son is 11 now and, and I feel bad for putting him through. He's lived in you know, four different States or whatever, whatever it is. So he's got these like little friend groups all over the yeah. place. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I want him to like have some consistency so he, he can, 
you know, have have like friends that he can grow with and get get to know. So he starts middle school this year. Um, so hopefully we'll stick around New York for a little bit. Uh, but yeah, Detroit uh, was was a really interesting experience with StockX, and you know, I was uh, one of the early employees there. So that was a whole interesting experience in and of itself and being a part of a company that went through such a rapid growth phase and kind of being pulled in a lot of different directions. Um, you know, I, at the end of the day though, I'm not, uh, you know, like marketplaces and salesmen, that's not really my jam. So I ended up just kind of spending most of my time kind of like writing descriptions and writing about the watches and doing the kind of stuff that I, that I wanted to as well as kind of like helping, you know, fulfill orders for sneakers late at night or whatever needed to be done at StockX sure. as they were growing, like I would hop in and, and do. And of course, by the time I left, it was yeah. gigantic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and it's kind of grown into to a different thing now, um, which is great. Um, but, uh, you know, it's 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 not really like where my the, the core of my interests lie, you know, lied. So I didn't I didn't want to. Um, yeah, I knew that I wasn't going to be like super long for that role and in Detroit. But it was interesting getting to see Detroit and live there during that phase. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, you mentioned that, that you know, in your initial kind of work at Hodinkee and kind of getting into that <clears throat> space, um, you, you weren't a writer by training or by background. And I'm, I'm curious now, as you've been through some different, you know, career iterations and, and now you're, you're onto something new now with the deep track, where are you at? Like in terms of you, what's your comfort zone? Are you, do you plan on doing more writing now? Or, I mean, I don't want to jump into the deep track discussion here too quickly, but I'm, I'm just curious, like, what is your comfort zone and what, what's ahead for you? So actually like, uh, that's a good question. And, and honestly, even, even with my kind of, um, not hesitancy, but I knew I was like, maybe a little out of my lane when I, when I started doing it, the more that I did it, the more that I really kind of fell in love with yeah. it. And, and now I, I really enjoy, I truly enjoy writing. And, and, and if I get something that I'm really curious about, um, like I really like jumping into it and, uh, and getting my thoughts out, I feel like I can articulate myself much better through written word than I can, you know, talking to, to someone. So it's, it's a process that I really enjoy now. And it kind of forces me to slow down. Um, you know, when I'm talking, I, it's all just kind of, there when i'm writing it's it forces me to kind of stop and think about it and formulate different things that i'm trying to say or want to say and why uh so it's a process that i've really come to enjoy and um yeah i don't know if i'm any better at it or anything like that i think i've gotten better than i than i was back then uh but it is something that that i enjoy and kind of embrace now and kind of look forward to doing so yeah i I don't know how else we justify you know taking a a sensibly you know relatively uninteresting three-hand watch and writing you know, 6,000 words <laughs> yeah, on it right, or something right. like that. Like, that's not a normal thing, is it? <laughs> like, what, what do we do here? What is this? Uh, so so now I, I really embrace it. Um, I also, I've, I've always really loved um, photography as, as well. And and so that's something that I've always kind of worked on and, and, and enjoy myself. Again, I don't know if I'm any good at any of this stuff, but it's something that I really enjoy. And it's it's like something that I can use to help kind of tell the stories that are on my mind and explore the areas that I'm like really curious about, which is kind of what the D track is about, you know, in total. Yeah. So yeah, I also think that like your, your career arc is not like necessarily an uncommon one where you're, you've moved around a little bit. You found a couple avenues. It wasn't only watches. We saw the stock X thing and now you've kind of settled into starting your own thing, seeing, seeing your own sort of vision, having your own sort of goal. So I guess like maybe like we just kick it off with like, what's the, uh, what's the elevator pitch for deep track? If you had, you've got lots of time, we'll get into more depth. Well, let's say you only had a few seconds to explain like 
hey, what do you do? And you go like, well, I'm a podcaster and a photographer and I talk about watches <laughs> and sometimes I write about like it's the same sentence we all have kind of learned to avoid. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But what yeah. Uh, what is the what's the sort of current pitch on uh, on the deep track on the new project? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it comes down to it as it's a reflection of my own curiosity and how I look to explore the spaces that I find interesting, be it cars, watches, keyboards, diving, photography, gaming technology, all of these areas and discover what makes those enthusiast spaces tick uh, through um, you know, a, a cross section of different perspectives, uh, which is really why, like, which is kind of at the core of what I want to do there. Uh, you know, I have my own lane that I'm pretty good at, at staying in, but I'm curious about all these other areas and how they impact, um, uh, like my own thinking in, in terms of like not only just watches, but about all, all these other areas that I'm kind of really interested in. Uh, of course, watches are, are, are kind of the core of that. Um, but I have, you know, the, the, the longer I've been around watches and the longer I am around watches, the more I realize like the gulf of areas that I don't have any knowledge about. And and that's okay. I, I realize that I'm never going to like completely close uh, that golf. But what interests me is how different other people experience uh, this hobby and and why. Uh, so those are the things that that I, I really enjoy kind of digging into um, and uh, and learning more about, and uh, kind of helps me think about how I experience this hobby as as well. It's just as much about the people uh, in the experiences at the end of the day as it is the things themselves. In fact, maybe even more so. Right? That's what makes it interesting. Interesting. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, these are things that we we don't need, of course. Um, but you know, th there's an undeniable appeal here, and a part of that is the community around them and the things that the inspiring things that I see people doing with them. And it's the same with cars. It's the same with photography. It's the same with you know mechanical keyboards. I've got all these kind of like nerdy hobbies uh, that I find uh, like a lot of commonalities within the enthusiast spaces. All right. I, I, I've got to ask, you know, I remember you just jogged my memory. I remember seeing, I was probably on your Instagram. You used to post these occasional photos of keyboards and look, I'm not one to judge. We're all, we've all got our deep nerd, you know, enthusiasm Yeah. and and I've got some weird ones as well, but like, tell me about the, the keyboard thing. What, what, I don't get, what is, what is that all about? <laughs> it's J Jason, honestly, it is a deep rabbit hole. So um, so as we record this tomorrow, the next podcast that I have going live um, is with Matt Farah, and we're, we're talking about cars. Uh, but next week, it's with this guy from in the mechanical keyboard community who's been in it for a while, and we nerd out on all this stuff and talk about <laughs> kind of like the why. So, so if you if you're if you're curious about it, like I'd recommend yeah, listening to that and 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 give some insight, but. You know, I think for, for people like us, if, if you think about it, it's what we do kind of all day, every day. We sit in front of this thing and we're using it. It's a tool that we're using, Yeah. you know, that it deserves like some attention. And, and it's it's something that uh, like I can kind of make my own and, and how, how I build them even by, you know, taking the switches apart and putting a different weight of spring oh, in it. Wow. So it gets just the way that like I like it. Or then you start typing paragraphs, you know, and if you're writing all yeah. day, you notice wow. it. Uh, so it's it, there is an aesthetic component and all that kind of stuff, which is fun. But there's also a practical component sure. that's, yeah. you know, this just feels good for me to type on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Wow. Yeah. fascinating but it's it's it defies simple explanation uh jason just like watches to some people i'm sure 
you do not need to explain yourself or keyboards or whatever. I mean, I, I was just at, uh, I, I last, uh, last week I, I went out for a, a round of pub trivia with our a fellow Wisconsinite, uh, Matt Ludvigson, uh, and his, and his wife, we were at this, this place up in white bear Lake and, and we were doing a trivia night and we got on this discussion about nerdy pursuits and how I, I just fully embrace this stuff. And, and I think it's probably where you're headed with the deep track. I think it's, it's this kind of celebration of nerdery, right? I mean, and, and it truly can be a celebration. I think we all have these things and it's what really makes people interesting. It's what makes, you know, you form communities around them and you're right. It transcends the actual item itself and it becomes about, you know, what the people bring to it. So that, that's really cool. It sounds like you're, you're on a good path with the deep track and you'll, you'll start to explore this stuff. Yeah, I hope so. And I hope that, you know, the the similarities between some of these communities in different spaces, like, it's hard to ignore. So I think there's a lot of people in our space that could be just like a step away from, oh, I really enjoy this. And I found something new that I'm going to discover, yeah. you know? I mean, like, so, literally anyone who's ever dipped their toe into modding a Seiko should should get into mechanical keyboards. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Like just a very basic, and, and you should check out the deep track and whatever in this episode you have coming out. It'll be episode seven. It will be episode uh, six or seven. Yes. Yeah. Um, but you can basically like you buy the frame and you get to pick the size. So there's like percentages of sizes of keyboards. And then you can pick the switch, the spring, the cap. It can be all customized. It can be any color you want. It can have no writing on it. It can have just icons. Yeah, it, it's yeah. an entire canvas for like a, a very specific type of uh, expression. And I, yeah. I have fallen down that YouTube rabbit hole with a bunch of guys that do like you know sort of like desk makeovers and things like that and the 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 core is never like you know i'm typing this on a decent logitech keyboard that i'm happy with <laughs> but every time i watch one of these these videos i go like hey you know if only maybe i would blake we might have to take this offline because i i might be in the market for something more interesting <laughs> yeah. uh, when i have to do yeah. when i have to do four or five thousand words Look, like in, in, there's there's a parallel here to to watches too, because Jason, like I know you, and and I know for me for sure, James, maybe you, like I, you know, probably none of us would have learned how to dive if it weren't for for the watches first kind of getting us into that space. Um, like I, you know, I can say that for sure for for myself is like wanting to experience these watches in that kind of a context. Uh, and then, of course, being kind of pushed over the edge by guys like you and Chris and and Matt and and, uh, and Jeff. But uh, the with keyboards, um, I it, like now I know how to solder because I got into it huh. and like do a bit of programming. And uh, like it, it's because I wanted to to take that into a step deeper and kind of learn. Uh, well, I want to customize it that way. Well, then I'll learn how to do it. And now I have a soldering iron and I know how to solder and yeah. <laughs> how to, you know, put together a circuit board and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's the same kind of a, you know, concept that, uh, and that's the kind of thing that, that I'm talking about. Like, those are really incredible things to experience. You don't know how those those doors will open to you as you get into a space. And if you're curious about it, like you might be shocked at what you end up doing like by the time you get to the other side, yeah. you know, like with diving or, or soldering. Like, you know, if you had told me at the beginning of last year that I would, you know, be a certified diver going into 2024, I'd be like, I don't, I don't think yeah. so. Um, you know, but, but, but here I am. And it's, and it's because of the people, like the community around it and like wanting to have that experience of this hobby in a different kind of way that I didn't have access to before. So. I think, Jason, you've used a phrase that came from our buddy Ben Clymer, who we've all had a, a past and, and, and a, you know, current with, uh, 
that it's nice to be a civilian sometimes. And like if the deep track introduces people to brand new, whether it's keyboards or diving and they've never done the first 5%, that first 5% is so much fun in any hobby. As a guy who's just getting a little bit deeper into woodworking now that I have a garage, this first 5%, I get to make all my own mistakes. The stakes are really low. I can't really ruin anything because it's none of it's important. You just you just oh, yeah. learn by doing, and it's this. It, I think it's what brought me into watches. It's what brought me into photography. It's what brought me into audio editing and podcasting and everything I like. It's that that like that special little like mental hit that you get from starting a new difficult process. And and whether it's finding a YouTube video that teaches you how to t- test an alternator for a dead solenoid, which I did, and felt like. Like mm-hmm. I felt like I should have earned an engineering degree just by following this Chris Fix video. <laughs> <laughs> I felt so accomplished by the end of it. It's such a fun thing to to find a new hobby, to find a new interest, to find a an even just to have an interest. Like I remember the first time I found um, as something of an, an SR seventy one Blackbird knucklehead myself. When I first found my favorite one of my favorite Instagram accounts, which is Romig twenty one. Uh, it was just this like nice moment of like, oh, I've, there's so much more for me to learn now, even when you get really deep into something or now in, in, you know, in watches, if somebody puts out a new book or starts a new project like the deep track, you have like a new avenue for finding little expressions because like, sure, we, we've maybe been around long enough to be part of the trunk of like Internet watch enthusiasm, but the branches go in so many directions we haven't seen a tenth of them, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I like that is interesting to me. And seeing like a whole young generation of people come into the space is is really interesting to me and encouraging to me. And how they are experiencing this hobby seems it's very, it's very different from how I experience it. And, and that's OK. Uh, you know, it'd be a pretty boring place if everyone just kind of thought the same way as as we did. So engaging with these people and starting a dialogue and like saying that, you know, hey, you're welcome in this space, you know, and, uh, you know, what, what you're bringing here adds value. Um, you know, I think that's an important thing. And like we see these, these people in this generation of enthusiasts coming in and they're going to like lay the groundwork for the future of it, hopefully. So, you know, even if it's not exactly how I go about this hobby, you know, I, I think it's okay and it's still okay to understand it. And, um, you know, and vice versa. Uh, they can kind of understand what makes yeah. guys like us. Um, a tick, you know, and, and there's always watches like that, that, that first 5%, I think you're always kind of looking to like mm-hmm. recapture that almost. And I'm sure you guys come across watches that kind of spark yeah. that, oh, like that brings me like this nostalgia of why I got into this in the first place. Maybe it's an old Seiko or an old Zen or whatever it is. Like there, I, I love kind of coming across those watches and it puts me right back there. And the- those like, uh, what is it, what is it that Zuckerman calls it? Like a taproot, the taproot car. Uh, this is on Spike's Car Radio. Paul Zuckerman talks about like that moment where you're screwed. <laughs> Whether it was he got a ride in a 356 or something, or I remember the first time I saw like a Breitling Pluton, just kind of changed me. I remember the YouTube video where I saw somebody wearing an Explorer 2, a video I've been hunting for for six or seven years, an Explorer 2 on a gray NATO. Again, kind of changed me. I mean, like this is this is this sets the lane, right? That we live in, that we end up living in. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, but the I track. always think, <laughs> I, I always think, I always tell people that every new watch I acquire or look at or whatever is always trying to live up to the very first watch that I, that I bought or that I, that I had, that I have memories of. And, and 99% of them fall short, you know, like that, the, the special feeling I had from that first Seiko diving watch that I got in the 80s was like, I, 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 I still remember how that made me feel. And, and every single watch that I put on, 
is is trying to to recapture that and and some come close i think this fxd clearly given how much i wear it um is one of those but uh yeah yeah and i suppose that's the case with you know your first mechanical keyboard or your you know your first uh you know your feeling of the first car or whatever yeah 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 things just have a way of getting like more complicated from there don't they right, <laughs> right. before you know it you're into like way more expensive watches and way fancier things but you're mm-hmm. still always looking for that same feeling yeah yeah yep. <laughs> right yep. so true but i think that's a, it's also like reflected in the content and even in like the content strategy um I'm, i've been obsessed with this for a really long time basically because when i just before i got and right around the time that i started university podcasting kind of clicked off it wasn't quite in itunes yet but if you were really part of the tech scene you knew that like and i've talked with this before like leo laporte or kevin rose uh, you know whether it was dignation or the screensavers or revzilla or this week in tech like there was stuff out there that was like these little communities that felt like you were part of a bit of a moment and then i think the internet and and this happened to watches later than tech it happened to tech much faster with cnet and and then engadget and then into the verge and then how the verge has split into 40 different sites from people who have worked there and that kind of stuff but with watches, I think we're starting to see that arc where we're starting to see people split off yeah. of the big ships and start their own little navies out in the water, out in the big ocean where there's lots of room to do whatever you want. Because, Blake, I think you're a couple years younger than me. I'm 37, almost 38. I'm 40. Oh, okay. You're a couple years older than me. So then you guys would both remember there was a time when like pretty much everything on the internet was tiny. If you love dive watches, you had one area of watch you seek to talk about dive watches. If you love Seiko, you had one area on watch you seek or time zone or whatever. Yeah. And I, I kind of lament. I don't. I sorry. I don't kind of. I absolutely miss that. And I feel like the big goal of TGN is to bring some of that back. I don't think that everything needs fifty thousand people talking about it. I think you need like a thousand buddies, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in a space and, and Blake, bless you, you're in the, the TGN Slack and and participating and posting some genuinely wild watches into um <laughs> the buy sell. I'm trying <laughs> to do a Daytona in there that totally blows the roof off the tax bracket of the nor- of the normal TGN space. <laughs> I'm doing my I put an article in there this morning that I think has ruffled a few feathers. I saw that. Uh, maybe so hopefully I don't get in too much trouble for that. Yeah, that that that, that was Cam's Cam's story about um not um how a lot of like watch guys don't set their watches. Oh yeah. Yeah, which like I, I mean, I can't identify with that at all, but I am a big fan of Cam and and what he captures. So he found an avid, uh, like he found a slice of our world that just isn't us. And that's fascinating to me. That's why I put yeah, it in there because I, I was agree. curious. Like, do uh, do you people like maybe I'm just missing something? Uh, no, I, I like man. I put on this Citizen today, and it wasn't set up for uh, DST. And not only did I count it back an hour, I also matched it to the zero because nice. uh, it's yeah. quartz like why have a quartz watch and not and not hit zero i got it right here on the corner of my screen yeah. uh maybe occasionally i will pick up a watch put it on and forget to set it and then an hour later i'll go to check the time and i'll go like well that can't possibly be the case <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> well i don't want to i don't want to out our buddy matt uh, ludvigson again here uh, but when i was spending time with him last week he had his polar explorer 2 on um at the trivia night and uh and i i did a double take because it said some odd hour and he he's one of those people he doesn't set his watch he's a, he's a 
dyed in the wool design guy. I mean, his, his head is in that space and, and that's, that's the way he appreciates watches. And I, I cannot relate to it at all, but, um, so yeah, that article was very timely and I sent it over to him, but yeah, good, good stuff. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. I, and if you can vouch for the author, I don't know the author James, uh, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan of cam. I've been on a couple of press trips with cam. He's, he covers all the GQ stuff. So it's a, it's like a perspective that isn't mine Yeah, uh, that I really appreciate that he does. Uh, and I've spent some time with him uh you know around on on the watch circuit a nice guy i think he does a nice job i i don't necessarily agree with the perspective of the article because i think you should set your watch and use it to tell time (laughs) that's what makes it interesting because i'm not that way you know and and i don't mean to come down on anybody who doesn't like i you know you you do you and uh but i'm like that's 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 what i'm curious about like right like people how they experience it differently than i do um, so yeah, shout out to, uh, yeah, to, I guess the, the cam guy, I'm sure I'll meet him at some point here if he's in the New York, um, uh, area. And so, but if you vouch for him, then yeah, I think you guys would get along. Cam's, Cam's a good dude for sure. But yeah, aside from that, I am fairly curious, you know, you, you were the managing editor of Warren and Wound for quite some time. How long was the tenure? A few years? Uh, it was three and a half years. Yeah. Okay. And I'm curious, like in your mind, jobs come and go it's a job you work until you don't want to do it anymore. And then you move on to something else. That's how I would see it at least because I know you well enough and you're a very thoughtful guy in your thinking about your time with Warner Wound. What were like your major learnings? Oh man. So I mean, what did, what did, what did Blake that started there not know that Blake that is starting the deep track does know or, or has an appreciation of, I mean, it's, it's cause that's quite a team to work with. Yeah. It's yeah. And I, it was, you know, a great experience in, in many ways. Um, mm-hmm. and, and really getting to work with people, um, you know, like Zach Kazan and, and, and cat shoulders, um, uh, and, and Zach Weiss, you know, these are people that, that maybe see things very differently than I do. Um, and I yep. think, you know, collectively our differences like balanced out like very very nicely uh, so that that was what always like was a, a huge motivator um to, to, to me and and kind of learning about their approach and and their taste levels uh i think was 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 always fascinating uh to me you know even if i didn't always agree or, or whatever just kind of like uh, seeing how they operated in this space was was very interesting so you know i think for me it was really kind of like an eye-opening experience of just the like breadth and diversity of the people in this space and learning that there there are other people that are different than me that offer like a lot of um uh you know that i end up appreciating at the end of the day um and it, like like i do every single one of them um you know zach blake zach cat all of them um you know brought their own differences to the table that uh that were really fascinating for me to be a part of and uh, and I think I learned a lot just being around them um you know of course kind of cat how she thinks about gear and uh and photography um was, was super mm-hmm. insightful uh and then just some of the funky things that that both of the zacks w- were into um like they were just a kind of an endless source of like wow uh, you know how did you find this or um you know i you know this is a watch that never really would have crossed my mind and you think this way about it and in learning that way so it really kind of exposed me to a lot of new areas of of this space and not just through them but also through the events uh, that we would hold of course the wind up uh events were, were great and getting to getting to interact with such a huge cross-section of the community was always just my favorite part of that. And as, as, as I'm sure you guys can vouch for having been a part of them as well. Um, but seeing some of the people come out, some of the, not just like awesome watches that, that you can gush over, uh, but even watches that you, you weren't aware of existed or watch that maybe you, you know, with, you know, just kind of like skirted over and didn't really give much thought to, but you see somebody wearing it in a different kind of context. And it's like, Oh, you, 
that looks awesome. Or I never thought about that watch. Uh, or I didn't know there was this version of the watch. Uh, and, and then meeting their families and, and, and really kind of getting a sense of their own enthusiasm and why they're in the hobby, what motivates them, uh, was just like an absolute favorite uh, thing for me. And, and that's kind of like the foundation of what I want to like keep exploring uh, here with the Deep Track. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think as, as like an extension of that is as far as like things that you're currently into, you know, you and I hung out quite a bit and it, and it was really nice to hang out with you in uh, in Dubai. And we talked on the show quite a bit about Dubai Watch Week, but you extended and actually did like some genuinely TGN-esque sort of stuff <laughs> Yeah, because um, you stayed you stayed in, in that area for a little while. What else did you get up to? Because I, I saw you uh after at least one of your dives uh, yeah and then you went on for some more excitement yeah i did a few dives while i was there i stayed on an extra week and in the my initial thinking was oh the final race of the f1 season is in abu dhabi which is just down the coast um you know uh, maybe 100 kilometers uh, maybe a little more um about 60 or 70 miles uh, south of dubai um so I thought, you know, I'm not in that part of the world very often. I have to take advantage yeah. of this. It's so close. So I bridged that gap and I started looking at, you know, other things to do around there. So, uh, so it, of course, being right along the coast of the Persian Gulf, you know, I thought uh, there could be some good diving opportunities there. So, you know, I hopped on to Patty and found an outfit that I could charter a boat with and uh, and did that experience, which was, um, which was really remarkable and a really good learning uh, experience for me. Uh, some very rough seas and uh, unit conversions that I wasn't used to having to make and uh, kind of Do going bar to PSI scenarios or yes yeah and like yeah. how you signal the difference in that you know because mm-hmm. from how I was taught and I'm still a, a, you know, a pretty fresh new diver so this is kind of being thrown into a situation that um, you know maybe I didn't fully appreciate before I I booked it, uh, but it ended up being a really good learning experience. And, um, you know, a few potentially safety hazard things came up that, uh, are now kind of, will be top of nine the next time <laughs> that I go out. like having an SMB clipped to my BC, um, at all, at all times. <laughs> um, always a good idea for sure. Yes. And, uh, and then doing the deep dive Dubai, uh, thing, which was, uh, honestly a very relaxing experience after um after diving in in, in the gulf uh, there so so for folks who don't know fill, fill in on, on we'll put it in the show notes but give them give them the pitch on on what the deep dive dubai so is. the deep dive dubai is the deepest pool in the world uh and it is uh <laughs> what is it it's i think it's 80 meters uh wow deep and a lot of uh like free divers will go there and and train uh and it's also um a facility that you can go and get your certification 60 meters it's 60 meters okay yeah so it's 14 uh, million liters of fresh water <laughs> and it's it's i mean it's crazy it's uh so the top like down to 60 feet um, which is, uh, I guess the bottom of what like recreational, uh, just open water, uh, diving recommendation is that they have, uh, uh, kind of these rings of things that you can go around and see. So you go down to 60 at first, obviously, and then you kind of make these rings around as you go up. Uh, and then each layer has like, uh, you know, like a pool table or a motorcycle or, <laughs> you know, a food, so cool. like all these kind of like weird things that you can go and, uh, you know, play with and, and, and pose on and they, they'll get your picture and all this kind of stuff. So, and there's, you know, there's an instructor that's following you around with a little GoPro. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a fun experience for sure. If you're looking for like, uh, you know, a true kind of like hardcore diving experience, it's definitely is not that it's, it's more of like a Disneyland type level of, <laughs> of experience. Uh, but like I said, after diving in the Gulf, it was a, a welcome 
kind of like relaxing diving experience that, you know, and since it's, um, it's a pool, there's no like currents or other things, you know, million other things that you have to have your head on. Uh, like it was, it was good for me to kind of practice like trimming out and like keeping sure. my knees at a 90 degree angle, like little things like that, that are generally maybe like further back in my mind when I'm diving in, you know, in, in the ocean or, or in, in the Gulf or something. Uh, but there, like, it really allowed me time to do, to do that. So, uh, the instructors were amazing. Um, it was a all around, like really incredible experience. And I would highly recommend to anyone in that area or passing through, like, go give it a, go give it a shot. The guy, one of the guys had on the, uh, um, the citizen Aqualand, um, that I was diving with, uh, and these were like straight up awesome, awesome people there. It was really well run. Uh, so, um, what did it cost for, is it a couple dives that you sign up for or one? Or? It was one dive. And I think the conversion, it came out to, I, it was about a hundred dollars around there. Oh, and I bad. took, I brought my whole kit with me, but they don't let you take your BC hmm. in because of, uh, and regs, uh, because of, um, hmm. no, the regs you could, it was just the BC in like a dive suit that they didn't want you to, to take in because of hmm. potential contaminants. Interesting. Um, so I brought my fins, my masks and, uh, my, my regs and I, they, they gave them all like kind of a once over cleaning, uh, and then I was able mm-hmm. to use those, wow. uh, going down. I guess it must be the possibility that there's water that has other microorganisms in it that are, that's in the, the bladder of your BC or maybe yeah. in a wet, wetsuit, something like that. Interesting. But all the BCs that they had there, uh, which was great, they're all backplate and wing, um, oh, uh, nice. stuff. So it was, it was very similar to the setup that I, that I use anyways. So it worked out really well. Killer. Yeah, that's very cool. I've always been curious about that. I was glad that you checked it out. And then look, I'd, I'd, if, if you've got the time, we'd love to invite you to save for final notes, the sort of end segment of the show, which we can get to if you've got a few extra minutes. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, I would love to know what, what did you think of uh, of the race? I, I have a strong opinion about Formula One that it's best watched on at home on a television, kind of like uh, UFC. Yeah. Uh, it's just a lot better if you're letting the camera do most of the work, <laughs> yes, <laughs> rather than your feet. But yeah, yeah, it's it's very different from uh, like a baseball game or a football game or mm-hmm. something. Uh, like it's very hard to follow. And uh, so I I got just general admittance so I could like walk around to different areas. Uh, and if I like I had to go out of my way to go find a screen to actually see what was going on. Uh, you know, if if it had been a season where it was like. Um, a very tight race to like the championship down at the end, it would have been more frustrating uh, for me. Uh, But since this season was pretty well wrapped up um, and it was just kind of, uh, uh, you know, the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, which ended up being pretty tight um, uh, down at the end. So, Um, but it's, there's, there's something about seeing the cars in person and watching them go around a corner and hearing them go around Mm -hmm. a corner that is, uh, does not come through on the television. So it's worth doing, but I 100% agree with you. The best way to watch an F1 race is, is from your couch. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the, the, uh, I've, I've raved about it before, but as far as like services for a specific type of content, that F1 app, the F1 TV system for, I pay 80 Canadian. So I assume that makes it 50 bucks a year for in America or about yeah. is an insane amount of stuff that you get for your money. The yeah. season's over and I get two or three notifications a week from the app saying like, Hey, we posted a new video about the regulations for the upcoming season. Like you could just keep going all year round. Agree. Highly recommend. Same. Look, before we get into uh, final notes, I, I was curious, like, what are, what are the deep track is off? It's running. You've got uh, four or five episodes of the podcast up as well, which I highly recommend. Some uh, TGN 
uh, friends on there, Wesley and Asher and, and, and all that kind of stuff. It's great. Um, what, what's the, what's the next year kind of look like? What are the goals for the platform just to continue exploring or? Yeah, I will continue exploring. I think, um, opening up the, uh, the video element will be the next kind of bigger thing on my, uh, on my plate. So, um, hopefully here within the next month, uh, we'll get that set up. Uh, that's, it's a little less straightforward to do just because, you know, you need the right surroundings and the setup is a little sure. more involved than, than, than just audio. So, but that's something that I'm working on, uh, right now. And it, the plan would, it would be to take the podcast and go video or do videos about certain topics. I think just videos of, of me talking about the watches that, that I have in or oh, talking nice. about the hobby in general. Um, maybe, you know, once a week, I think I've got 10 minutes worth of things to say. <laughs> so, so I think I'll, I'll go that route and, um, and then just continue building, uh, the community, uh, here. It's, uh, um, it's reader supported. Uh, so it's on Patreon and I feel like I want my, my, my first responsibility to be to the reader and to the listener. Um, that's the way it should be. So it'd be kind of like building that community, getting feedback from the people that, uh, that end up there and taking it in the direction that, uh, that we all want it to go. Nice. Well, that's great. Well, look, we'll, we'll jump into final notes. So if you in, in your mind, if you can consider something you'd love to recommend to folks, could be a book, could be a movie, could be a YouTube link, could be an activity, a, a, a product, who knows, whatever you're into at the moment that's on, on the line. Right. Uh, but I would be keen uh, before we get to that. What's the best way for people to connect with you and to keep up with the deep track these days? Um, yeah, so you can uh, just go to thedeeptrack.com, uh, all one word. Uh, on Instagram, it is thedeep underscore track. And uh, you can hit me up anytime at uh, blake at thedeeptrack.com. If you've got a suggestion, comment, criticism, I'm here for it. Uh, don't, don't hesitate to reach out. And of course, I'm on yep. the, uh, the Graynado Slack. Yeah, there you go. So we can you can definitely find Blake in there. And otherwise, be sure to check out the show notes for the links for all of that or just hit the deeptrack.com. Congrats on the launch of that. I think this is awesome. It's been super nice to have you on the show. Yeah, and uh, I don't know that there's been many times that we've just said like, oh, I want you to stay on and, and give us some final notes. But uh, we can we can jump into that, put a bow on the show, as I like to say. Uh, Jason, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, mine is one that uh, is near and dear to my heart. And it's one that a lot of people have shared with me because they know me well. Um, this is a, a guy on, on Instagram that's worth following. And he has a series of videos that he's putting up. His name is Casper Hoagland and he's, uh, lives in Norway, I believe. And I followed him for quite a while because he's, um, he's, uh, he's a Land Rover guy and, and he spends a lot of time in his Land Rover touring around, uh, kind of remote areas of Norway, like living out of his Land Rover. I think he's, he's kind of a creative uh, person uh, by nature and, and maybe by past career, but now all he does is he posts these amazing videos of his heavily modified LR4 um, kind of traveling around and camping and stuff in it. But more recently, he um, bought a, a Series 3 Land Rover, I believe it's a 1974, that he found somewhere far west from where he lives and and actually drove it back across the country in the winter in Norway. And now that he's got it back home, he's rebuilding it. And he's posting a series of videos in which he's slowly kind of disassembling this, this vehicle uh, piece by piece and discovering, you know, a rotted section of chassis and, and, you know, just removing the engine and taking the windscreen off and things like this. And, you know, I, I love videos like this anyway. My YouTube feed is full of, you know, kind of Land Rover restoration and disassembly and repair <laughs> stuff. Um, as you might expect, but, um, he has a, a really nice, very calm delivery and he doesn't come across as 
anything of an expert. He's clearly an enthusiast and someone who's learning as he goes. And, you know, for anyone that just likes to watch people take stuff apart, whether it's, you know, um, a lot of kind of the watch repair stuff that a lot of us like to watch or, you know, resto mod stuff with cars. Um, I think he's, he's particularly enjoyable to, to listen to and watch. And his videos are very, you know, kind of short enough that you can easily digest them, but, uh, he does a nice job. So yeah, that's mine for, for this week. It's a uh, casper.hogland, uh, on Instagram and we'll put a link in the show notes. That's great. I, I think that's a solid pick. Uh, we're getting, it's, uh, it's funny how much of also my Instagram or my uh, YouTube is also just people rebuilding vehicles. <laughs> uh, I haven't overlapped into the Land Rover world so much. <laughs> I uh, used to do a bunch of the Jeep ones. I got kind of tired of those, especially because like every time I modified the Jeep it, with any actual extents, it broke it in some way. <laughs> so I finally gave up and just kind of removed all that stuff and, and moved on. But yeah, I think these are these are great. And, and I don't know why I don't know why it's so compelling to watch someone work on a vehicle. Yeah. Like if I, Jason, if I went over to your house and you were working on, I would want to help. Like I wouldn't yeah. just sit there and drink a couple of beers in your driveway. <laughs> I mean, I might, but I would also like hold a flashlight for you yeah, or right, right. help you pick up the 10 mil that bounced across yeah, the driveway, yeah, that sort of yeah, thing. But yeah, yeah I, uh, it, it is great content. It's always, it's always very, very fun. Yeah. Yeah. Blake, if you've got one, please uh, take up the, uh, the, the middle one. If you've got a suggestion for the final notes. Yeah, I've got uh, the book I read before. For um, Sweetwater, uh, it was a book called The Scout Mindset uh, by Julia Galef, uh, which I really enjoyed. Um, so I, I would highly recommend that. It's a, it's a nonfiction uh, book. Uh, it's uh, why, some, why some people see things clearly and others don't. Um, the motivation to see things as they are, not as we wish they were. Um, and then uh, the book that I, I usually go back to once a year uh, is um, The Demon Haunted World by Carl Sagan. Uh, science is a candle in the in the dark, which is kind of a all time favorite of mine. So the demon haunted world, yeah. Wow, billions. Another great one. I'll say again. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those are great. I've not read either of those. I like uh, the title of both. Uh, to be fair, the scout mindset is is a good one. Um, for the scout mindset, what's the what's the sort of like beyond the the byline? What's the sort of uh, perspective of the of the novel? Uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's, so it's nonfiction and it's really kind of her talking, um, about like kind of a way to see the world and like process information, uh, to kind of build out a clear picture, uh, of the world oh, nice. okay. uh, and kind of using this, like, like how a scout would go out and kind of survey the, the things around them and incorporate it into their knowledge, uh, and kind of like building strength through that. So, so it's not specifically like boy scouts or girl scouts. It's, it's scout in more of the general sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So for mine this week, I have a very short YouTube video, which I'm going to share in our chat here. Uh, Jason, you've already seen this because I sent it to you on Instagram, uh, but I did find the original video, <laughs> which allowed me to pull the audio. I thought this was apropos of dry January. I'd find us a song about whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, this song about whiskey found me. So this is from uh, Hosier, who's a, a singer and a songwriter. He's had some huge hits in the past, but this is basically like a warm-up, I guess, for a set that he did with The Current, which is a, a YouTube channel and a, a radio station, um, kind of in the same vein as a lot of these radio stations where they're capturing live music and promoting it as like a, a great video. And as part of that set, he essentially recites a piece of the humors of whiskey, which I'll just, you know, rather than belabor the explanation, I'll play it now. 
Come guess me this riddle, what beats pipe and fiddle, what's hotter than mustard and milder than cream? What best wets your whistle, what's clearer than crystal, sweeter than honey and stronger than steam? What can make the dumb talk, what can make the lame walk, what's the elixir of life and philosopher's stone? And what held Mr. Brunel to dig the Thames Tunnel, sure wasn't it whiskey from Alden showing? So stick to the crater, the best thing in nature For sinking your sorrows and raising your joys And boys, I'd half wonder if lightning and thunder Was made from the plunder of whiskey, me boys And so yeah, it's just a short video. I, I kind of like it. It's pretty. His voice is obviously incredible, like almost ridiculous. Um, and I thought for dry January, if I can't uh, drink whiskey, I might as well think about it in some sense. So I sent this to Jason <laughs> as soon as I saw it. Because Jason, I know you have a love of sort of like ship shanty songs and, and the folky side of it. Yeah, oh, this was great. And the Irish. And then I went and found, and, and my apologies to uh, the Irish among the audience, this is actually part of a very long, like this song's probably 15 minutes long if you sang the whole thing. The text looks like Deuteronomy. Uh, it just keeps going, but it, it's an ode wow. to the history of whiskey and it, and its importance to the to the oh, Irish man. culture. So I'll I'll put all of that in the show notes. But please, uh, I, I hope people enjoyed the audio and the current. If you don't appreciate me using the audio, give me a heads up. Uh, I can I can I can fix that. I guess as well too. So, <laughs> but yeah, that that was my pick for. Uh, we're now eight days into dry January. It's going uh, pretty okay. Blake, are you do you uh, do you do the dry January thing or has it skipped you this year? Not this year. Um, I have done it in the past, uh, though. I think my general one this year is instead of the dry January, it's just like overall drinking a little bit less throughout the entire year. Uh, a somewhat so. drier 24. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Probably a better better strategy, yeah. actually. <laughs> <laughs> a lifestyle rather than just a month of denying yourself something. Yeah, I, I think it probably is smart, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so that's uh, that's an episode. And Blake, I can't uh, can't thank you enough for coming on and chit chatting with us and and just kind of shooting it for a little while. I'm I'm really proud to see you take what is kind of a scary leap to go from a sure thing with a team that's working and doing a great job with Warren and Wound and and decide to jump into your own thing with the Deep Track. I'm really excited to see where it goes. I'm really pumped to learn how I should spend my first hundred hundred fifty bucks on a mechanical keyboard. <laughs> I haven't owned one in probably fifteen years. Uh, and back in the day, that was because there was only one or two that even worked with Apple, uh, if you go back that <laughs> yeah. far. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pumped for this, and I'm, I'm really happy to see how, uh, how things have been progressing for you uh, in the last little while. Uh, James, Jason, the pleasures. It's been the, my pleasure. Uh, it's just always a, a treat to get to talk to you guys. Uh, longtime friends, and I really appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Yeah. Best of luck, Blake, and, and thanks for coming. And I'm, I'm definitely going to tune in for that keyboard episode. That sounds like uh, that sounds like. <laughs> Something I need to yeah, learn more absolutely. about uh, for better absolutely. or for worse. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, as always, thank you so much for listening. If you want to subscribe to the show notes, get into the comments for each episode, or consider supporting the show directly, and maybe even grab a new TGN signed NATO, please visit thegraynado.com. Music throughout a siesta by Jazzar via the free music archive. And we leave you with this quote from L.M. Montgomery, who said, Isn't it nice to think that tomorrow is a new day with no mistakes in it yet?